Last time on HPH, we began the story of two guys who left the relative comfort of their homes in the United States and headed west to find a path across the continent at the behest of President Thomas Jefferson. So far, things had gone pretty smoothly, but they were still a long way from the Pacific Ocean and they would have to deal with crossing the Rocky Mountains. In this week's episode, we're telling you all about the rest of their journey and the obstacles they'd have to overcome. Grab yourself a drink and settle in for the American adventure that is this episode of Hunter Proof History, lovingly titled Lewis and Clark Part 2. Are we there yet? This is Hundred Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Hey, Chris. Hello, Gregory. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you, sir? Pretty good, pretty good. Awesome. What's new with you? Oh, uh, pretty much same old, same old. But, uh, oh. So, as you know, Wolf Dick got a little too talkative with his uh, text-to-speech voice, and I yeah. had to take it away yeah. last episode. Mm-hmm. You remember that? I was there, yes. You remember how he used to have that uh, speaking spell back in the day that would play different uh, sounds that we used on this show? Yeah, yeah. Him and I talked, and, well, I talked. He listened. He didn't have the ability to talk anymore. And it was just loud screaming. Listen here, you motherfucker, and just decibel level Mm, up here. More or less. Okay. Let's not dig up the past, okay? (laughs) Well, uh, you know, we made a compromise, and I actually reprogrammed his speaking spell to have certain phrases that he's able to say so that he can communicate, but he is, you know, limited in what he can say, because, quite honestly, he was being a little harsh and a little offensive. Yeah, he's very... I'm his caregiver. He's very anti-Semitic, so that's probably a good idea. Ooh. Thankfully, he didn't do any of that. Yeah. Okay, so the thing is, do you remember that show from the 90s called uh, Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction? Oh, yeah, I love that show with, uh, yeah. what's his face from Star Trek? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, Jonathan Frakes. He played Riker yeah. in, Star- in Star Trek. Yeah. Next Generation, specifically. Well, for you, listener, uh, basically this show presented stories that would seem to defy logic, and only some of them were true, and it was up to the viewer to guess... And the reveal would always come at the end. You know? Right. They yeah. had actors, the whole the whole get up. Mm-hmm. But since I'm not really the creative type, I just sampled a bunch of his lines from that show. And those phrases are what are programmed into Wolf Dick's speaking spell. Okay. It seems logical that you would choose that show from the 90s that everyone would, you know, obviously recognize and want to go, f- you know. Relate to? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to was, you. you know, it was, uh, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> okay. It is what it is, you know. But, uh, so, um, Wolf Dick, do you want to debut your uh, new and improved speaking spell? Can you remember the tallest man you've ever seen? <laughs> um, that's a strange question. Yeah, it's very specific. I don't know how that's going to be used on the show, but, uh, but I'm, sure, I'm sure it'll come up. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's an actual question. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's it's actually two guys. They're twins, mm-hmm. Johnny and Larry. Uh, the last time I saw them, they got into quite the tussle with a cowboy I know. 
Who was the cowboy who confronted Johnny and Larry that night? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That is relative. That is amazing. Well, Wolf Dick, it was Dan. Uh, For the listener, that's the guy that does our intro. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He was uh, real pissed off because someone had gone into the commune refrigerator. He was a part of commune. Mm -hmm. And uh, ate his friend Hal's food. Could Danny have been hallucinating? Um, I mean, it's possible why. But if Dan was hallucinating, who ate Hal's food? How the fuck am I supposed to know? (laughs) All I heard was Hal was making burgers, and when he went to the grill to check on them, the lid was open, and the burgers were gone. No. What about the mysterious behavior of the barbecue lid? (laughs) (laughs) What does that even mean? Why am I even being questioned here? I was, listen, I was busy at the time hitting on a MILF at the jazz bar. Was the old woman in on it, too? (laughs) She's not old, Wolf Dick. She's considered mature. (laughs) What really happened here? Look, I'm not really one to kiss and tell, but, well, okay. I was down in the dumps and met this MILF. Uh, We hit it off, and one thing led to another, and we ended up back at the MILF's place. I couldn't resist her big boobs. Mm -hmm. Were there gases trapped within the milk bucket that caused the activity? (laughs) Milk bucket? (laughs) What? That isn't even proper slang. Jesus. Are you asking for boobs emitted a gas that somehow disoriented me? No. (laughs) I was horny, and she really liked me. That's it. Oh, my gosh. Does this story seem possible? (laughs) What do you mean, Wolf Dick? I know what happened. Well, Greg, uh, you know, I don't want to let you down. I know you were were feeling a little down in the dumps around this time, but it was actually actually a hooker that I hired for you. What? Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, you you had a good time. You didn't know. You know, what doesn't hurt you can't, or what you don't know can't hurt you, right? Well, I guess I need to get tested. Pregnancy tested. Oh, my God. What happened? Oh, no. Milf had a penis. <laughs> it's not a milf, but okay. Well, yeah, the M stood for man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wolf Dick, thanks. You've, uh, you've ruined my fucking day. Yeah. You ever visited a truck stop? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's enough out of you. <laughs> it's very... Gonna, you, you know, I'm taking away the speak and spell. No, Hold on. no, leave it there. It's okay. Could you display this as a trophy? Oh, my God. His dick is in full attention. <laughs> That's fucking it. <laughs> All right. Well, he's lost more privileges. I don't know what to do anymore. You know, it's it's just amazing that all those random lines from Jonathan Frakes lined up with that story perfectly. I just, it's crazy. Well, he has a billion of them. Oh, yeah, he does so, ask a lot like, of questions. like, he can really communicate. Yeah. Like, this is a very large speaking spell. Oh, okay, fair enough. It's the size of, like, a Wheel of Fortune wheel. <laughs> well, so, yeah, that's basically what's been going on. He's been still getting under my skin. Good times. Um, What's new with you? Uh, you know, I was... I don't know. Uh, <laughs> stupid. 
Well, actually, Greg, uh, real talk this week. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go into what I do for a living, but it's a serious job. It's very serious. I go into serious situations. Um, okay, I'm a fluffer. Fine. Okay? I, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering. I'm like, it's not that serious. F- fluffer, you know, it's all about mindset. Like, you can't go in there, like, bringing the wrong energy. But as I'm walking up to a very serious situation at my job, I'm whistling, right? I'm I'm not mindlessly whistling a tune, and it takes me a second to realize that I'm whistling, I'm going to get you baby. So this <laughs> fucking <laughs> podcast has broken my brain. Oh, <sighs> boy, do I know what you mean. Yeah. I also have sad news to report, Craig. Uh-oh. We have lost a certain sa- sandwich chain as a sponsor. Turns out they wanted us to mention a specific sandwich six times last week, and we only did it five times. And also, they were very upset that we kept talking about killing ourselves and having sex with guys at truck stops and, you know, you know all sorts of other things. Maybe bringing up the fact that their their biggest name sponsor, that our spokesman, who they've had for years, was a known pedophile. That's not my fault. No, I know, I know, but, uh... I haven't done anything wrong! <laughs> they took all of our, our our sandwich money, and they left. But luckily, uh... We didn't have sandwiches, we had to split a six-inch. <laughs> that was really unfair that you just gave me one, like, the top bun. You're like, okay, here you go, here's your part. It didn't even have any of the sauce on it, it was just a piece of bread. And you're over there, chowing down on it, eating knife and fork... Eating that fucking delicious looking sandwich from some brand that I don't want to promote anymore. But, uh, yeah, they're gone. I don't know what to tell you. So, sponsorship opportunities are open, people. Great. If you listen to this show and you feel like it represents your brand, just let us know. And we will never buy your fucking brand again because there's something wrong with it. <laughs> All right, we've, I feel like we've wasted some time here. So, let's go ahead and just let you guys know. Once again, we were talking about Lewis and Clark. And today we are going to wrap things up. That is rare for me, I'll have you know, so <laughs> enjoy. Yeah, I know. You give Christmas presents in bags with a little tissue paper on top. I know what you mean. Come on, I follow you, right? No, I just I just give the naked Christmas present. <laughs> I look into your eyes and I, I pull it out and say, here you go. <laughs> Take this. And then I, you know, I ask the gift recipient, mm-hmm. how does it feel? <laughs> Did you come? (laughs) And then they walk up to the cashier and say, I'll tell you what, I'm never shopping at this Best Buy again. (laughs) It's not because there was a naked man handing me a present and asked me if I came. It's because Amazon's prices are better. I'm just going to put it out there. (laughs) (laughs) The present was very nice. It's cashmere. Just a naked man handing out cashmere sweaters. That's what you expect in the holidays. <laughs> well, today, Greg, our source is Undaunted Courage by Stephen Ambrose and the Lewis and Clark Ken Burns documentary, which you recommended to me, and I watched, and I enjoyed it quite well. I mean, it's Ken Burns. Yeah. Hard to go wrong with some Ken Burns. Uh, there it is, but you have to be, like, laser-focused, I feel like, on Ken Burns. Because I feel like if you're if you're just going in, you're like, oh, I'll throw something on. You throw on a Ken Burns documentary, and you hear you hear this come in, and then the next thing you know, it's like six in the morning, 
it's still episode one fucking playing, but you're like, God damn, I missed the whole thing. You have to back it up and do it all over again. Like, you have to be like, oh, God, I'm going to, uh, I got to pay attention to this show. And then, so then you get like 12 minutes in and then you, you're just fucking out again. So at least that's me. And uh, I'm kind of, I, li- I like to put it on in the background as I'm doing something mm-hmm. because most of the things he's covering, not a lot of video accompanying it. It's just pictures. <laughs> And really, pictures that weren't around at the time right. in this particular story of what he's talking about. Uh, so I just don't even pay attention to the screen. But it's all about that that audio experience. So while I'm doing something, mm-hmm. I can actually super enjoy it and focus on it. But the moment I get like a text message or something like that, I start you know checking some apps and all that. So, yeah. Oh shit! I haven't listened to this thing in like fucking twenty minutes. I need to rewind. <laughs> Oh, uh, see, yeah, my problem's the opposite. And that's why we we scream about penises and stuff like that. Just get your attention. Get your back in this fucking thing. Because you hear... That's th- why. We're doing you a service. Because you hear, you know, you hear this. And bring it back. And it's just pictures of nature. Like a picture of a sunset over a river. And then... They sun themselves... On the sandy shores of the river... And they stared westward and wondered what the next day would bring. And I swear there's another 20 seconds of fucking silence before you get to the next guy. I was wondering what the next day would bring. Stephen Jones, 1804. <laughs> 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 and so you expand that out after for an hour and a half and you're like, God damn, that was the mo- most best fucking nap I've ever taken in my life. And that is why I scream about penises. Not because I'm hiding some deep-seated urges that my wife will let me explore. Not that reason at all. No, no. But maybe, like, during that, if every once in a while they went like, Big Fat Wieners! (laughs) (laughs) There's no way you can fall asleep. Right? Right. So, that's what we do. Yeah. That's why we're here. We fill the void. (laughs) That uh, Ken Burns leaves. We fill that void that no one asked to be filled. That's why we're mm-hmm. here, ladies. And that is why we have you, single listener. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one one person oh, listener. I, I thought you just meant all the single ladies. Oh, single ladies. Oh, single ladies. No, I'm a single man, too. Okay. Fair enough. Greg! What the hell are you drinking today? Uh, I'm drinking some Blanton's today. Oh, fancy man. Fine- 93 proof whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm tying it into the story because, as you know, Blanton's has a special topper on their mm-hmm. bottles. Yes. The cork. The reason I'm drinking it mm-hmm. is because there's a little man riding a horsey on that topper. And they desperately needed horses in this story. That's all I got this week. <laughs> That's all I got. What about you, buddy? Well, I went back. All the way back to like three episodes ago, and I have brought back the Jefferson's Ocean. Oh, wow. It's been a while. It has been so long <laughs> since I've had this one. This makes even more sense. You know, it was that time it was Christopher Columbus. I was like, and there's an ocean. Hooray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's involved in this story. Now it's literally just about. It's about Jefferson's expedition that oh, he funded that true. to send people to the ocean. Good old TJ. Greg. Oh, the Pacific Ocean. I like it. Yeah. So, I feel like I nailed that. 
better than my horsey, man. This is so good. Like, I've, I'm proud of you for not doing that beforehand because we have so many stories about horses and men. You're like, no, I'm going to save it for this one. This is when the horse and the man really come together in this moment of history. So it's very rare that they come together. Usually the horse comes first. Oh, my God. Because the man's on its back and it's running, Greg. Jesus Christ. Yeah, the horse crosses the finish line first. Yes. Because it's a longer animal. Yes, and then it orgasms and then the man orgasms. (laughs) (laughs) So it all lines up perfectly. I hate this show. Anyway, (laughs) it's the worst goddamn show on the internet. I have no argument, and I only have that sigh. You're looking at me to say something. I have nothing to say. All right, well, then let's just go ahead and start the fucking story. Okay. When we left you, it was the winter of 1804. Merriweather, Lewis, and William Clark had led an expedition up the Mississippi and Missouri rivers to modern-day North Dakota, where they built Fort Mandan as a winter shelter. 100 Proof History. Dan... Last warning. I will I fucking fire God. you. Swear to God. So, just so you guys are clear, he thinks uh, Fort Mandan, or when we talk about the Mandan tribe, we're talking about the man, Dan. Right? He's an idiot. Just leans his head inside the studio and just fucking pops off the hundred. He thinks he's going to get paid every time he says that. That's wrong. Yeah, like it's some sort of royalty. And, you know, I've talked to proof history. Dan! <laughs> Yeah! <laughs> Sorry about that, listener. That's two weeks in a row. I know. We're going to have to teach him a lesson. I need to start locking my doors. I know. You're just... I'm going to have to get the wooden spoon out next week. Mm-hmm. Take off your flip-flop and chase him around the house. Him testicle. Oh, God. Oh, it's like the worst place. It's a grown man. I can't just spank him. He would think it was sexual. And it's not that way with Dan. Well, especially since you're pantsless and erect while you're doing it. I'm not attracted to Dan. He's way too feminine. (laughs) Well, it was there at Fort Mandan that they met a French-Canadian named Toussaint Chabonneau and his teen-pregnant Shoshone Indian wife named Sacagawea. Chabonneau agreed to join the expedition and have Sacagawea act as a guide and translator. In February of 1805, Sacagawea went into labor. It was a pretty difficult process, and she was getting sick, so Lewis crushed up a rattlesnake tail and tossed it in some water, and this world's worst version of Kool-Aid induced the birth of teeny, tiny Jean-Baptiste Chabonneau. Just uh, grabbing random shit and say, hey, try this! Like they had already given her the laxatives, the Dr. Benjamin Rush's thunderclappers. Like, try these mm-hmm. pills. This cure what ails you. And they lift up her Indian skirt to see if the baby's coming. And they just, <gasps> just constant explosion stream in their face. Like, well, those pills didn't seem to do the trick at all. <laughs> <laughs> they do the uh, the wipe away from the eyes. Just so that's the <laughs> only thing you can see. Yeah, it looks like the ni- rest is poop. 1920s guy who struck oil in Texas. And the <laughs> <laughs> guys are exploding in his face. Black gold. <laughs> you know, there was somebody in the party. He's like, I haven't seen a woman in 10 years. Let me get in there. Let me see what she does. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> no, 
he just hears rumors that that happened on the inside. <laughs> so then you see him walking through the tent door, but he's got in front of him vertically a glass coffee table. <laughs> and he's just walking towards her, like, lift it up again. <laughs> Hope, just hoping she shits on that coffee table. Why don't you try the pills again? Yeah, that guy's right. Give her the pills. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sick uh, fuck. Sir, that clearly came from your mouth. <laughs> no, it didn't. He's got his little hand puppet out to the side. It was Why me. are you moving your hand like that? <laughs> no, hand bone from several episodes ago. No! Give her the pills! <laughs> I want to see if she's eating corn this week. Jesus, hand bone. <laughs> Oh, that guy's disgusting. Now I'm just that's, gonna what hold, the, that's what the doctors are saying. Yeah, I'm just going to hold this coffee table right here, and we'll just see what, what happens. <laughs> He's just breathing heavy, and the glass is fogging up on his side. <laughs> come on, come he on. Keeps rub, he keeps rubbing it with the, <laughs> the side of his fist. Just, <laughs> who wants a clear view if this happens? Disgusting. Oh, humans. Why are you so gross and full of gross things? And if you're not full of gross things, hit me up in the comments. We'll fix that. <laughs> well, shortly after this traumatic childbirth, the party was ready to get back on the Missouri River, continue their upstream journey towards the Continental Divide. In the last episode, we spoke specifically of the 55-foot, 12-ton keel boat that Lewis and Clark had traveled in. We didn't mention the smaller boats, known as pirogues, or the hollowed-out log canoes they'd also used because they were mostly irrelevant to the first half of this story. That all changed in 1805, when Lewis sent the keelboat back east to St. Louis with all of his notes and specimens, as well as the men who had been kicked off of the expedition. Well, you know, that probably wasn't the best idea, because, you know, first of all, they didn't know how to drive the boat, so you just hear the gears grunting. <laughs> It's like, you know what you're doing, right? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got it, yeah, I got double it. Double clutch it, man. Yeah, I think the, car faster. the carburetor's flooded. He's like, fucking, what the fuck is a carburetor? It's 1805. What the hell are you talking about? And then, in the distance, as the guy's pulling off, he's like, I'm going to tell everybody you died, and I'm the last survivor, I'm a hero! You're like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I like how that's everybody's go-to. When we say something like anachronistic in this story yeah. or in any story, it's always like, "What are you talking about?" It's eighteen oh five. Like I'm gonna when a bum speaks fucking nonsense to me because they're obviously having like, you know, a psychosis, like a breakdown or something, or they're really really high on a bunch of shit, and they say something weird. I'm gonna be like, "What do you mean? It's only twenty twenty. That's not gonna. That doesn't exist yet." <laughs> That's gonna be my go to. Yeah. I'll give you five bucks to suck my dick, though. <laughs> He's like, okay, but then you got to tell me more about the future you know about. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you five bucks to suck mine. I'll give you ten bucks if I can suck yours. <laughs> give me that homeless dick. <laughs> Why does it taste like cigarettes? What have you been doing with this thing? Oh, look who's a connoisseur now. Okay. <laughs> well, now the men would be traveling in smaller boats. Lewis was also bringing along a lightweight iron boat frame that he hoped to line with animal hides. The plan was to take the pirogues to the Missouri Falls in modern-day Montana. They'd then ditch those and take Lewis's sweet-ass iron boat to the Rocky Mountains 
and then carried across land to the Columbia River and would all literally be downhill from there to the ocean. He's a peasy, Japanesey. The expedition left in early April. Throughout that month and the early part of May, there were very few problems and they covered a good distance. About the only minor problems came when they began to hunt for bears. And again, like last episode, you know, they're just walking around in their overalls with no undershirt, letting all that hair out, roaring about the dance floor. Stealing the picnic baskets. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get that picnic basket, because you're a snack, baby. You're going to be mine. Mm. Loosen Clark, see a shirtless man wearing sequin chaps and a sequin cowboy hat. But he's very fit, you know, and he's shaven. And they're like, no, 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 no. We're hunting for bears. But you're very kind. Thank you for the drink, sir. <laughs> The Indians had warned them that bears were dangerous, but Lewis believed that its white men with guns were obviously superior to the natives who had lived there for hundreds of years, so what the fuck did they know? Idiots. <laughs> Classic idiots. Yeah. You guys know about Jesus? No? What's that? Oh my god, how have you made it this far, you morons? <sighs> you don't even know about Jesus Christ, Lord Savior? <laughs> okay, I'm going to believe you. Yeah, there's a, a ten-foot animal that can rip my throat out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, after a few hunts, in which it took multiple shots to take down the bears, Lewis proclaimed he would rather fight two Indians at once than try and take on a bear. Fight. Yeah, we know what he wanted. <laughs> I'd rather fight two of those female Indians at once, alone in a tent, mm-hmm. after I give them this pill in their drink. <laughs> oh, God, it was a thunderclapper. No, no, no. And here comes You're the guy with... fucking creep. Here comes God, the guy with the coffee, coffee saying, <laughs> Tag me in, Lewis. It's my turn. Just <laughs> fuck up, Hambone. They're mine. <laughs> I'm the captain of this expedition. <laughs> We're going to Brown Town. (laughs) I do think it's weird that his measure of how tough things are is how many Indians he'd rather fight. Like, oh, man, that was a really hard hike. You know, it was like six miles, basically straight up this mountain. I would rather fight two and a half Indians. That's how I'm going to rate this on Yelp. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, you couldn't pick another... Hold on. Look. I've got maybe something, because that last scenario is so ridiculous, <laughs> but class. I'm just not in the zone, but okay. I think I, maybe I'll be able to get into the zone. Gotcha. So you got Lewis in the tent with two ladies. Mm-hmm. He gave him the thunderclappers. Guy with the coffee table comes rushing in with ham bone. For Guy with the coffee table. <laughs> He's very, very strong. He can hold the coffee table with one hand while going, hey guys, let me see that poop. And then in the distance... You hear. It's an approaching gorilla. What? It's Amy from the movie Congo. No! Amy not let this happen. Amy no like (laughs) sexual assault. Amy says no means no. They're like, oh, what the fuck? Dude with the coffee table tries to shield himself. Mm -hmm. It's already covered in poop at this point. (laughs) Thunderclapper pills. God damn it. She 
busts through it with her power glove. Uh-huh. God, kills him. Like, he's choking to death, and even Hambone, even though he's way over here on the guy's hand, is like... <laughs> guy's not even using his own throat to save his life, you know? He's still voicing Hambone. Mm-hmm. Hambone is a possessive spirit. I will say that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, then she rips out Lewis's trachea. Oh, my God. Saves the two Indian women from a potential date rape. Uh-huh. And uh, everybody's uh, saved. Uh-huh. That's history. That's, that's pretty awesome. I guess that gorilla was a hero. Yep. And that's the story. <laughs> I'd like to thank you all for joining us. <laughs> no. It's been a... No. No? Does this story seem possible? God damn it, I thought you turned that off. That... I mean, I turned most of his capabilities off. I left him with a few phrases. Okay. Nothing to where he can question me and things I've been through in my life that he doesn't, shouldn't know about. Nothing about the milk buckets. Got it. Milk buckets are definitely on the blacklist. Does this story seem possible? Hmm. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, if you just bend all time and space... That's fine. It makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which one of us read the books, Wolf Dick? You can't read. You literate fuck. Hmm. Maybe he has a point, though. Yeah. Maybe there is a little more to this story than we've let on. I guess we should continue and just see where this takes us. I mean, I feel like gorilla saving women is a, just a fine place to end, but uh, we'll see. Gorilla with a power glove that speaks. Yes. Gets the guy with a coffee glass coffee table... <laughs> Fetish. Well, two Indian women are shitting uncontrollably. Because Lewis tried to review them but gave them the wrong pills, yes. (laughs) Maybe there's a point there. Yeah. The point is everyone stopped listening 30 minutes ago. (laughs) They're bailed. (laughs) We can just talk about what we want. How's your day been, man? How's it going? (laughs) In mid-May, the boats were traveling up the river while Lewis and Clark were enjoying a leisurely stroll along the banks, as they were wont to do. A strong gust of wind turned the pirogue being sailed by Toussaint Carboneau. Rather than turning the bow of the boat into the wind as he was supposed to do, Carboneau dropped down and began praying. Now, it says that, but what was actually happening is is he knelt down in the boat as it's being thrown downriver towards these rocks and shit. And he pulls out his phone, and he, he starts typing on Facebook, like, heading down river, wrong way, uh, thoughts and prayers, please. And then just, it just gets these floods of comments, like, praying for you. <laughs> <laughs> he ends up dying. They, they find in his phone, like, the last thing he did was Google how to sail boat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Halfway up the river, they, he was, Sailing it, you know, into the wind, and you're like, it's like, quit grinding the fucking gears, Tucson. It doesn't even have get. What is happening? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it said here when we hired you, you knew how to sail. You're an experienced sales boat guy. It's like that's exactly what you wrote, sales boat guy. You're like, oh, is that what it says? Oh no, I am in boat sales. I do not sail boats. You see, this is this is a double meaning. <laughs> We're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Greg, water poured over the sides of the boat, and it began to sink. All of Lewis's important notes and journals were inside, and they began to float away. Luckily for him, Sacagawea, with her infant son strapped on her back, calmly collected all of the documents. At the same time, Private Crusat, who was mostly known for his fiddle playing, pointed a gun at Carbono's head and ordered him to write the ship. He's like, oh no, my Facebook post got so many likes, guys, it'll, God's gonna oh, save me now, no. Let me finish the sentence real quick, okay, I'll write the ship. Yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it. Ooh, I finally, I got to that part of the YouTube video about how to steer. <laughs> we got it, fellas. Here we are. <laughs> the boat was saved. That night in celebration, all the men got hammered drunk on whiskey. Piss poor leadership. Somebody fucks something up, you don't reward them. And I'm like, oh, whew, here you go, fellas. Time to celebrate. No. You beat that ass. Maybe that's why my life is in a downward spiral. Because, like, <laughs> if something good happens, I'm yeah. drinking my ass off. But, you know, if something bad happens, I'm drinking my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like there's a theme there. I don't know what it is. <laughs> You get pulled over by the cops. He's like, sir, uh, your registration's expired. I'm going to write you a ticket. He's like, fuck. Just hear the whiskey bottle open. You start chugging. <laughs> and you know what? My life seems so hot and cold that when I just have a regular old day mm -hmm. where it's not super good or super bad, it's almost a cause for celebration. I'm drinking my ass off. <laughs> When I show up at that Walgreens and they still have mouthwash in stock and I can get rid of these trimmers that I'm having, it's time for celebration. So I drink my ass off. When I go to work and my boss wants to have an emergency performance review with me and mm -hmm. I don't get fired, drinking, drinking my ass, ass off. <laughs> it's like, Greg, uh, we think you have a problem. We're going to send you to mandatory rehab. And you're like... Oh, I didn't get fired. All right, let's pop the cork on this one. <laughs> Where did you get that bottle? I didn't even see you walk in with that. Well, you got to be resourceful. I plugged it. You know what that means, boss? Pulled it out of my butthole. <laughs> You're promoted. <laughs> You're hired. It's very resourceful. <laughs> well, at the end of May the expedition came to an unexpected fork in the Missouri River. Lewis and Clark split up, and after Lewis almost fell off a fucking cliff and died, they figured out he was on the wrong fork. Well, the party reunited and buried one of the pirogues in a cache of supplies for a return trip. Mm. Poor pirogue. <laughs> Continue. Every time I read that word in the book, I thought about those Greek pastries. The pierogies yeah, made out potato. of potato. Yeah. Oh, uh -huh. so Me good. Too. Me yeah. Too. Like, oh man, their economy's in the toilet, but they make some good food. Mm. That night, they sat and stared at the distant Rocky Mountains while Cruzat played his fiddle. And Greg, I don't have an actual recording because, you know, it was 1805. They didn't record shit back then. It wasn't a possibility. But they did find some sheet music of what he liked to play. Um, one of his favorite songs, if you'd like, allow me to just hit the button and play that. I'll allow it. Okay. And it... 
Hmm. Of course he did. <laughs> it's the only song he knew. Of course. And all the ladies at the frat party's like, oh my god, he knows Winterwall. <laughs> oh, oh my god. I'm gonna seduce him and get pregnant, and then he has to marry me. <laughs> she gets the crazy eyes, but little does she know, it won't work. Because I'm just gonna leave college. Idiots. <laughs> Stupids. <laughs> well, the expedition soon made it to the Missouri Falls, which are now known as the Great Falls. It was here that Clark had to take the boats and move them across land to avoid the falls and the rapids behind it, a process known as portage. This 18-mile hike would take the expedition 31 days to cover. As the men moved the boats on wooden wheels that constantly broke, they were harassed by mosquitoes, gnats, suffered dysentery, and had their feet destroyed by rocks and cactus needles that cut right through their moccasins. Dude, and I remember... Reading about how their moccasins would only last, like, a couple of days. Yeah. It was specifically in the Ken Burns documentary. It said, like, day one, they'd last and kind of get fucked up. Mm -hmm. Day two, you would patch them. And then after that, like, they were done. They were no longer serviceable. So they were constantly having to make these moccasins. Yeah. They're basically socks at this, you know, they're buckskin and they wrap them around their feet but there's nothing on the bottom they're kind of like soft leather socks yeah you think after day one they look wrist lift up their foot and there's like eight holes in it and there's like cactus spurs sticking into their foot like well i don't know how much i'm longer i'm gonna get out of these fucking shoes i, I don't know <laughs> i replace the insoles oh shoes these days am i right fellas and they're just laying on the ground moaning in pain rubbing their feet <laughs> and then fucking Krizat's like, hey guys, listen to this. You like this one? This is a new one I just wrote oh, today. Oh god, no! <laughs> oh, love it. No! <laughs> then one of the guys, he's like, Dr. Shows? What is that short for? Fucking shitholes? <laughs> <laughs> and he's actually on the... the Expedition, he's like, well, I don't like the way you're talking to me. <laughs> he takes his pipe out. Well, now, I'm the best podiatrist you have. I'll have you know. <laughs> Here, take these laxatives. These will help your feet. Just choke on these, you <laughs> idiots. Then they kill him for his meat. <laughs> Wait, this isn't Donner Party? <laughs> no, I read different. the wrong book again. <laughs> Listen, guys, I know this is weird, but I'm going to eat his feet first. It's kind of a thing for me. <laughs> I'm probably I'm really a defeat. <laughs> I'm probably I'm gonna go take him for uh, science, <laughs> yeah. digestive science. Does anybody have any nail polish? No, <laughs> no, just okay. I thought someone would have brought some. Completely unrelated to what I have in my hands right now. <laughs> just offhand, does anybody have yeah. any? <laughs> well, sir, what you have in your hand is your penis. Yes, I said it's unrelated. <laughs> I couldn't have been more clear. Unrelated. He just, he looks him in the eyes. He says, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? And then just runs away. <laughs> the feet. <laughs> the feet. <laughs> well, and his boner just flopping as he runs. Because he's wearing pajama pants for some reason. You can't hide your dick in pajama pants. <laughs> That's true, yeah. 
<laughs> Six days later, he's on the pirogue and he still has them. He's made moccasins for the feet. He's just like petting them. <laughs> soon. <laughs> soon. <laughs> You want to row the boat? Oh, no, I'm busy. <laughs> We've all been searching for oil. Where did you get the oil to oil up those moccasins to make them so soft? <laughs> yes, oil. Oil. <laughs> oil. That's what it is. It's, uh, it's over there. He just points nondescriptly and like a 45-degree angle across the horizon. <laughs> Where specifically? Oh, you know. And then point somewhere else. Louisiana territory, of course. Just leave me be. <laughs> Don't you leave that canteen. I'm slightly dehydrated. <laughs> His voice has gotten crazier and crazier throughout this encounter, as you can tell. Yeah. That Dr. Scholl, he's a he's a crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> he really is. We should do a story on him one time, but no time. No time. Let's get back to Lucy Clark. You don't want to know where Joe inserts come from. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, while they are trying to portage across that little falls area, get around those and the rapids, Lewis was working on his iron frame boat, which he called the experiment, which is what I also called my freshman year of college. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Dad can't stop me now! (laughs) (laughs) The frame was covered with buffalo hides and improvised tar, but on July 9th, when it was put in the water, it sprung several leaks and almost sank. Lewis is heartbroken. Judging by his journal entries and the fact he didn't speak with Lewis for two weeks, it seems like Clark thought it was a stupid idea to begin with. And that's one thing that kind of bugged me about our main source. It's like, oh, they never argued, they were best friends. But uh, he didn't talk to him for two weeks. And you're gonna, you spend three years on a fucking river with somebody, you're going to have a disagreement. It's just human nature. You're not going to be able to get along all the time, you know? It's like this podcast. Like, everybody thinks we're really good friends, but they don't know how many times you've beaten me with, you know, the shoes that you, you wear. And I'm like, please, it smells awful. Why don't you bathe? And you're like, you don't tell me what to do. I'm the main host. And you start slapping me in the fucking face. And just maybe maybe do, the, do it with belt, since we've already sh- shooted oh, shoot. up. Okay. I do, I do like where you're going. Yeah. I must say. And if you don't say belt, I will beat you with shoes. <laughs> <laughs> we will make this a reality. I'll have you know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, let me do it again with a belt. Uh, yes, uh, then he hits me with a belt, guys. <laughs> is that funny, yes. Daddy? Is yes, that good? that's much better. <laughs> that is much better. In August, they drew closer to Shoshone territory. Both Lewis and Clark decided to split up and walk inland to see if they could meet the natives, while inexplicably leaving Sacagawea behind. The only word Lewis and Clark knew was Tababone, which they thought meant white man, but it actually meant stranger or enemy. Luckily, when they met the Shoshone chief, he didn't kill them on sight. Just running at somebody, like, just screaming enemy. Enemy! 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 <laughs> I mean, you gotta understand, these people are protecting their homes. Yeah. It's kind of like the situation you and I are in, you know, being homeowners, it's, you know, sometimes we're in tough positions. It's kind of like, you know, us... Homos, we gotta stick together. 
<laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> stupid. What <laughs> you said, homos, not homeowners. You, you. Yeah, short for homeowner. Oh, is it homo? Yeah, homo for homeowner. I've I've never never heard that before, Greg. Yeah, that's homos have you know all sorts of problems we got to deal with. You know, like cracks. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. in the foundation. Yeah, that's true. Neighbors, you always got to worry about what the neighbors think of about yeah. you. Yeah, your dad. Your dad's always judging you for being a homo, and you're not doing it right. Fuck you, dad. Yeah, he comes by. That yard's not, uh, that grass a little overgrown. Yeah. Trust me, dad. I know how to landscape. <laughs> I'm a homo. <laughs> He's like, you want to see my bush? This? My bushes? I'm sorry. I <laughs> had a thing in my throat. But I know how to take care of it. All right, is it upsetting to you that I'm a homo, dad? Does that upset you? Does that upset your little world? Your tiny world? You can't handle it? You don't tell your friends? They don't know what to think of you anymore because you raised a homo? (laughs) He's just like, just because I'm in an apartment, I still love you, son. (laughs) I don't know why homeownership is so funny. (laughs) Continue, Chris. Okay, I will. Thank you. Well, my dad's so adamant about not owning property. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why upsets his friends so much? Why he can't tell anyone at church that I'm a homeowner? I don't understand. Why doesn't grandma want to see me at Christmas anymore? <laughs> Take off your MAGA hat and talk to me, dad. <laughs> Just because last year, Thanksgiving... I was talking about being a homeowner, and I was dancing around with the shirt off, and I was playing I'm Gonna Get You Baby on a loop. Grandma's like, I don't want him around me anymore. He's an embarrassment to the family. The Bible says what he's doing is wrong. And I'm like, where in the Bible is saying I have to rent forever? Come on. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> it does say a rich man. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Don't think, just dance. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway, Lewis and Clark, we're on a river. They're trying to make it to the ocean, I guess. This is a history podcast. I will remind the audience. Yeah. Get your shit together. God damn it. Yeah. Stop being out of line, listener. Well, a meeting with the Shoshone was arranged, and this time, Luce and Clark actually brought along Sacagawea. She would translate the Shoshone into Hidatsa for her husband Toussaint, who would translate the Hidatsa into French for an American private, who would translate the French into English for Lewis and Clark. Seamless system. Perfect. Makes sense. I got an American private. More like an American public. Oh, yeah, because you're not in the military. You're not in the military anymore. Right. Oh, yeah, that's why. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in a weird bit of coincidence and luck, the Shoshone chief, Kamiyowait, was Sacagawea's long-lost brother. Hmm. What do you know? It's actually pretty interesting or pretty funny in the book. It's like they're talking, and it takes a second for go, holy shit, I know you, and I know you, and they realize they're brother and sister. And they start, like, crying tears of joy. 
And the book basically indicates that Lewis and Clark were just sitting there all impatient and shit. Like, okay, we get it. Reunited after all these years. Who gives a fuck? Can I have some horses? White man is here talking. Please listen to the white man. Like, he's like... <sighs> after they were done crying... Well, let me give you an alternative take on this. Okay. Say you have to go to a local bar mm-hmm. for part of a business negotiation between, I don't know, a bunch of anywhere in Asia, you don't speak the language. Right. But you can translate. Okay. Those people. I don't want to say something specific because then people, why is it this and not this? So you're at the bar. Mm-hmm. And then person across the bar, oh, they look like you. Mm-hmm. They speak the same language as you. Mm-hmm. We're having to do all these trans, all this business shit. You haven't gotten laid in so long. Ooh. Aren't you going to just maybe look across the bar and pretend that that's your brother? <laughs> yeah, that's what you think was happening. <laughs> maybe they snuck off to have family times. <laughs> you and your brother. Oh. Let's let's tell these white people are related. They love that shit. Have you seen Pornhub? They fucking love it. It's all over the front page. No, no, no. I don't think you're right. It says not sister. <laughs> yeah. Not in all caps. <laughs> what if we tell them we're, we're step siblings and I'm stuck in a dryer? Yeah, they'll love that. They'll make so much money. <laughs> Just oh. don't say you're my stepmom. They'll all want to watch at that point. <laughs> So, you know, who knows if they really were brother and sister. That's all I'm saying. That's true. Good point, Greg. (laughs) All the sources say this, but I think they wanted to fuck each other, so (laughs) maybe they're wrong. (laughs) Uh, You know. (laughs) Who knows? They weren't there. (laughs) Idiots. Well, their alleged relationship helped trade negotiations quite a bit. The expedition needed the Shoshone's horses to get across the Rocky Mountains to the Columbia River, where they could build more canoes out of hollowed-out logs. The Shoshone wanted guns, but all Lewis could do was promise they'd get guns eventually if they helped the Americans now. (laughs) (laughs) Idiots. Camille Waite agreed, likely because his sister was there to help convince him. In their private teepee. Sister. <laughs> Stepbrother, I don't know how to make the noodles and I'm stuck in the oven. <laughs> I tried making the bed, but now I'm just stuck under these covers and my naked asses still hanging out of them. What are we going to do? What are you doing, stepbrother? Oh, my. I'm going to change your Indian name to he who comes on tits. So stupid. (laughs) It's real funny until he has to negotiate with the Americans. (laughs) uh, We want your land. We want you to move. He who comes on tits. Will you please take this seriously? What's wrong with you? (laughs) Well, it's important to note that a lot of people think Sacagawea guided Lewis and Clark on their expedition. 
She was invaluable as a translator and helped introduce them to some edible roots and plants, but she was never really a guide. Maybe the most important thing she did was show the native tribes that Lewis and Clark met that the expedition was a peaceful one. The natives knew that war parties didn't travel with women. And so they were like, hey, there's a girl there, we're not going to attack. And most of the stuff they learned, um, they got from different tribes, like the Hidatsas or the Mandan said, hey, if you go this far, this will take you there, this will take you there. That's why when they came to some forks, they didn't know where they were going. And some tribes were like, why didn't you go this way, you fucking morons? Because each tribe right. had their own well, territory. Well, this tribe told me to go this way. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, this one would have been a huge shortcut. Yeah, yeah. On August 12th, 1805, Lewis and Clark crossed the Continental Divide. Unfortunately for them, that meant they were still in the middle of the Rockies, and the range ahead of them, known as the Bitterroot Mountains, was going to be the toughest part of their journey. It was already beginning to snow in September in the Bitterroot Mountains, which run along the border between modern-day Montana and Idaho. The travel was incredibly slow, and there was very little game for the men to hunt for food. The horses began to stray, and a few of the Shoshone Indian guides had abandoned them, but not before one of them told Lewis and Clark that had they taken a different fork off the Missouri, their portage to the Continental Divide would have been four days, not the 51 it actually took them. Oh! Yeah. They're like, oh, why didn't you take the shortcut, dumb shits? What do you mean? (laughs) Come on. Uh, If you're just going up this river and cut across there, you didn't see the you didn't see the street signs that told you which way to go. You're like, you're following Apple Maps like a goddamn moron. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Apple Maps is fucking terrible. (laughs) They're all just looking so uncomfortable. Yeah. Just like, hey, uh, you know, show me on the doll where the bad man touched you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm fine, fine. No bad man touched me. Yeah, just Jesus. Like, oh, oh, well, okay, okay. Uh, let's just say, if you were wearing a, a swimsuit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. would it be on that area? <laughs> no, nobody <laughs> touched me. I'm just upset about this. It's a shortcut. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay. Jeez. He was, backs off smoking his peace <laughs> pipe. <you know? laughs> like, listen, I was going down the river. Apple Maps told me there's a traffic jam ahead. So I took the detour. The detour took 51 extra fucking days. Okay. <laughs> and then I get here and you're like, no, the, the traffic had already cleared. There was there was nothing. You could have just gone straight through, man. What are you doing? What why did it take you so long? You're like you're busting my chops. I've been in fucking hitting stoplights and, you know, all these jackasses stay in the right lane. They're supposed to turn, but they're just sitting there because they got to go straight and turn to the Starbucks right past the fucking intersection. And this guy doesn't know where he's going. He's swerving in and out of lanes. And I'm just losing my shit for 51 fucking days. And you want to bust my chops? Yeah, but I, I just don't understand why you didn't just go take the four-day route. I just saw a mask. Well, they soon met the Nez Perce Indians, who showed Lewis that he was on a creek that would feed into the Clearwater River, which itself would lead to the Columbia. They also provided the expedition with roots and dried fish to eat, which made all the men violently ill with the poops. Mm. Being highly educated and trained into the ways of medicine, they treated this illness by downing a bunch of laxatives. Why not? (laughs) My body wants this to be pooped out, so why don't I make it easier to poop it out? That's smart business, Greg. Genius. It's like 
the mornings, like every morning after we record, and I'm super hungover, and I'm just sitting over the toilet, like, just please puke. Just throw up. Just get it over with. You'll feel better after you do. Just, your body wants to get rid of this. Just dry heaving for six hours. Ugh. When really, you do that thing where you smell the toilet bowl. Mm-hmm. Like, even yeah. though it doesn't smell like anything because you keep it clean. Yeah. But you're like, you just imagine there's been, there's been poop in here. You smell it. And that, oh, that doesn't. <laughs> and you start throwing up. <laughs> no, real talk, that usually happens after I've had the poop from being hungover. I'm like, okay, my stomach's upset. I got to poop. And I, I do that. And then I'm like, okay, that's probably it. That's probably all I have to do. I'm like, oh, God, I'm really nauseous. And then I have to stick my head in there. I'm like, oh, God, I should have flushed first. Oh, no. Oh, no. Jesus. I can't afford the water, okay? It's disgusting. <laughs> Don't you judge me. God. Don't look at me. <laughs> all the things you joke about our listeners leaving the podcast for. <laughs> that was it. That's going to be a big one. People can't handle poop talk <laughs> my daughter walks in the bathroom she's like daddy what are you doing don't look at me get out of here <laughs> bring daddy a beer see if it helps no no just get out i'm sorry you're naked there's a fucking <laughs> broken coffee table <laughs> broken glass coffee table next to you your hands covered in lipstick and <laughs> shit it raises up. Run while you can. <laughs> she flees the house. Ah! <laughs> Neighbor's like, oh, I guess he recorded a podcast last night. <laughs> oh, it says here in the metro section, they might close down our favorite restaurant. Hmm. Did you do my crossword? I bust through the door. What'd you say about Metro. I'm an expert. <laughs> Where is that music coming from? I don't know, honey. I guess we'll just have to continue on. <laughs> well, while they were laying on the ground, covered in their own poo, it would have been super easy for the Nez Pierce warriors to kill the members of the expedition. They'd be heavily armed and could dominate the other tribes of the region. Luckily for Lewis and Clark, a Nez Pierce woman, Watkuwis talked the women out of it. She and Sacagawea had both saved Lewis and Clark's lives in ways they would never really acknowledge. In early October, the expedition made it to the Clearwater River. They hauled out some canoes, and for the first time since late 1803, they are heading downriver. They followed it to the Columbia, where they made camp and stayed with Inez Pierce. Once again, Private Crusette. Busted out his fiddle. Ladies and gentlemen, Private Crusade. Oh, no. Oh, it's haunting. Just haunting. I don't know what happened to modern music where we can't replicate something so beautiful. (laughs) The men were in good spirits, even if they were tired. The natives kept stealing their supplies, which they were already low on. And they still had the fast-flowing Columbia to deal with. And that feels like a good place to take a break, Greg, before they get to the dangerous Columbia River, before they start heading towards the Pacific for good. That sounds like they're going to die when they get there. Maybe they will. I don't know. I don't want to ruin it, but uh, that's where they're headed. And it kind of reminds me, Greg, um, 
They think this Columbia is violent and rough. They should have been a male prostitute in 1980s Columbia, working for Pablo Escobar. Mm-hmm. That was tough, man. It was tough. It was a rough it actually time. Wasn't that bad? No. You no. Had a better experience than me. Well, I mean, all that cocaine, which you see people spreading that around, you know, like putting on the gums, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. getting numb. Yeah. You just spread it around that butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Can't feel a thing. Well, I will try that as we take a break. All right, listener, welcome back to Hundred Proof History. Hope you enjoyed your break. I know. I enjoyed mine. Had a few drinks, as it were. Hope you're excited to get back into the story. Uh, the exciting and somewhat depressing conclusion of Lewis and Clark's tale. Greg, you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? I do. It's time for you to get tested, because my test came back positive. Oh, well, it's also Second Half Salsa, Second Half Salsa, Second Half and a three, a two, a one. Mm. Ah, delicious. Awful as always. Mm. Oh, I mean, yes, delicious. It makes me feel better about myself because I'm hydrating and I'm going to pretend like as soon as I drink this can, I'm not going to just start pouring more whiskey into my mouth. Whatever gets you through the day, Chris. Oh, that's, that'd be paint thinner and hiding from my boss. <laughs> <laughs> Gregory, why don't you tell the people the rest of the story? If I must. Well, the party soon reached the area of the Columbia, known as the Short Narrows. I know how you feel, Columbia River. I'm right there with you. Because that's what they call my dick. Short narrows. This stretch of river contained what are known as Class 5 rapids, which means only experts should try and navigate them. Lewis and Clark just had all the men who sucked at swimming walk along the banks while they took their log canoes over the rapids and waterfalls. The local Chinook Indians gathered on the shores to watch and cheer, and, you know, collect any valuables that would float to shore if a canoe happened to crash. Mm-hmm. They were surprised and probably a little disappointed when Lewis and Clark came through unscathed. Just professional fucking canoers. On November 7th, 1805, the expedition spotted the Pacific Ocean in the distance. Clark wrote in his journal, quote, Ocean in view. Oh, the joy. <laughs> We don't know how Lewis felt, because he wasn't writing in his journal at the time. The author of our main source speculates that was because Lewis was depressed, as he was known to suffer depressive states. Either way, they hadn't actually spotted the ocean, but rather, it was a large bay at the mouth of the Columbia River. They wouldn't reach the Pacific for another two weeks, and when they got there, they were less than impressed. The shore was rocky, the ocean was violent, and it was constantly raining and storming. 
That's why Lewis was depressed. Like, what the fuck? Like, two and a half years to get here to see this shit? Ugh, it's like waiting in line at Disney World, and you get up there, and it's just, it's a small world for four minutes. God damn it, I hope my kids are happy. This cost me eight fucking grand. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) It was so bad, the place where they had chosen to camp was named Cape Disappointment. That's what my wife called our honeymoon spot. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Is it because, like, it was the first time that you guys were going to have sex and, you know, you're in, you're not tuxedo, right? I was wearing the tuxedo. Full Phantom of the Opera. Full tuxedo? Full Phantom of the Opera get out because I know ladies love that fucking show. So, okay. So, full tuxedo. Mm hmm. You undress her out of her wedding gown. Mm-hmm. She pulls off your tuxedo, and you have a Batman cape on. <laughs> so it just became like because you save it as a keepsake. Yeah, like she hangs up the wedding dress. Mm-hmm. You hang up the cape that was <laughs> hidden underneath the tuxedo, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that is nicknamed Cape Disappointment. Correct? That's right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. 40 seconds later, I'm like, I am Batman. Where are the bombs? And she's like, what are you talking about? You haven't even touched me. You should have been jerking off the corner. (laughs) Asking where the bombs were. (laughs) You've been putting makeup on. It's like you're simultaneously Joker and Batman. (laughs) What did you say? (laughs) Looked at me and you said, why so serious? (laughs) I'm not serious, I just didn't have an orgasm. It's not a big deal. <laughs> Here, put this Bane mask on and talk in ways I can't fucking understand you. Mm. Would you like to have sex with me, Christopher? <laughs> and you're like, oh, oh, Not anymore. Tom Hardy, I invited you. I didn't know you'd come. Oh, but I know I would. And here it is. <laughs> I would like to annul this marriage, please. <laughs> I'm sorry, are you doing Alfred right now? Which one are you? Which one are you? <laughs> so I can roleplay. It's just a big part of this. So anyway, where they had chosen to camp, it was named Cape Disappointment. But it was winter, and they'd have to stay near the coast before heading back home. They had three options. Stay where they were travel upriver and stay in the forest, or cross to the south side of the bay and stay near the Clatsops tribe, who had told them there was plenty of elk to hunt. A vote was held, and everyone, including Slave York and Shoshone woman Sacagawea, were allowed to vote. They chose to stay on the south side and built what they called Fort Clatsop. This is something that was very interesting to me in the, in the story. It was obviously very anachronistic at the time Yeah, that a woman had a say. She had a vote. A black slave had a vote, mm-hmm. you know, in, in this decision. And it was an equal vote. And that was something that wouldn't happen for well over a hundred years. Right. They actually yeah. had an equal say. I thought that was crazy. But I also think it's like very apropos, uh, like... I feel like if any, maybe anybody from that period that wasn't just a complete imbecile, if they were 
forced to hang out with a selected group of people for X amount of period of time. And it included maybe a woman or a black person. Maybe they would start to realize, like, oh, these are fucking humans just like me. Right. So I should get an equal equal say, you know. I don't know. Yeah, it was interesting to me in that documentary, the Lewis and Clark documentary, the Ken Burns documentary. Um, it heavily features the author of Remain Source, Stephen Ambrose, and he's on there talking about how they grew incredibly close to each other throughout this ordeal. Like they knew each other very well. They knew what people were strong at, what people were weak at. And he even uses the term, which I thought was interesting. I went like, <gasps> he said, they became a band of brothers. You're like, oh, that's, that's because he wrote Band of Brothers and, and mm. then he said it in this. <laughs> But no, it it does feel like they said, okay, technically they weren't in America anymore. They're in unclaimed territory in the Pacific Northwest. And they said, your vote counts as much as my vote. What do you guys want to do? Even the captains, the guys who've been leading the whole time, telling them, we're going to go here, we're going to do this, we're going to take this fork, yada, yada, yada. They said, you know what, guys? What do you want to do? It's like you said, it was, it was not something you would think would happen at the time. It was very progressive very forward thinking but they were all in this together and they they wanted to act together as one yeah so they voted on where to stay and uh that winter sucked the men could either hunt gather seawater to make salt or sew moccasins well they actually did something else greg old private cruzat he was like he was so inspired by the weather the atmosphere and how terrible things were that he wrote a new song. He wasn't going to play Wonderwall. He came up with a whole new thing. Oh, did he? Yeah, and I have just a sampling Mm. of that, what it sounded like. I bet you do. Yeah. It's very uh, geographically correct. Yeah. He looked over and Lewis had a shotgun in his mouth and he said, this is all Courtney Love's fault. No, uh, no, yeah. don't say that. <laughs> he yanked it out. Just saying, you know, being up there uh, from Washington, mm-hmm. Pacific Northwest. Yeah, that whole Fort Clatsop, it was a very grungy, dirty... Type area. Maybe it was like a, uh, I know the Northwest Passage doesn't exist. Allow me to create one through my head. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> no! No, Kurt! <laughs> Don't do that! Well, he did. <laughs> yeah. Come in a jar! No, 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 no. I don't know what you're supposed to do with the jar, but... <laughs> well, it's a sample... You're supposed to put it on a boat and send it back to Thomas Jefferson. He's like, why does Lewis keep sending me these? I wanted specimens from nature. From the unexplored territory, not from him. I should have been way mo- too grungy. I should have been more specific. I'm so- <laughs> Dear President, here is another specimen, as you requested. I don't know why you want these, but this one is a little bit more salty because we're in the Pacific Northwest and it keeps raining on me. Now <laughs> well, back to the story. The Clatsop Indians would visit them and offer to prostitute their women. 
but they'd also bring in fleas and steal anything that wasn't nailed down. Lewis was losing his patience with the natives. He punched one who tried to steal from the fort. Another group stole his dog, Seaman, and he threatened to burn down their village in response. Fortunately, they returned the dog. Give me back my dog, Seaman! They all just looked at each other like, what the fuck? He's like, I meant to put a comma in there. <laughs> they Give were, me back my dog, Seaman! They returned the puppy, and he's like, Now where are the jars of dog semen? <laughs> Didn't you just hear the last song? Where are the jars? <laughs> President Jefferson wants these two for some reason. He I don't know. Specimens. <laughs> Matter of fact, here are your own smaller jars. <laughs> While you look, just, you know. Whew. In March, the party was ready to head out again. They needed a new canoe, and rather than make or trade a single rifle for one, Lewis just straight up yelled, Yoink! and stole one from the Class Top tribe. On the 22nd, the expedition began to go upstream against the flow of the Columbia towards home. They were soon back in the company of the Nez Perce Indians, who welcomed them with open arms and were happy to share their food. They were a little disappointed to see that the snow still covered the Bitterroot Mountains well into June. Eventually, Lewis heard a small Nez Perce... Eventually, Newis. Newis. <laughs> Hello, my name is Newis. <laughs> You got any new computer game? (laughs) (laughs) Newest, we're on vacation. You should go outside, see the lake. I don't wanna. I wanna play Command and Cock. (laughs) My Warcraft guild is raiding tonight. This is bullshit, Mom. (laughs) Newest, put on your glasses and go outside and make friends. Five minutes later, he comes in, like, burnt to a crisp, (laughs) just red than a motherfucker. Mom, you've made me do this. (sighs) Newis, go play your video games. Mom, I don't think I like girls. Newis, not again. This is why we've switched schools three times. I will not get another call from the principal about you doing things in the locker room. Okay? Stepdad comes in the cabin. Volleyball champ. Very tan. Blonde. Muscular. Mm -hmm. Newis, get in there and do what your mom tells you. (laughs) He leaves. You know, I don't know what's wrong with that boy. Well, his dad was delicate. (laughs) Well, glad I'm not. (laughs) We're going to teach him a thing or two. I'm so glad I found you, Trevor. You make my nipples so hard. Oh, that's pretty erotic, Cassandra. And Newis walks in, he's like, That's disgusting! Put away your breast, mother, but Trevor, what is that? <laughs> no, sit Indian style. No, no, don't leave. Sit Indian style and watch. <laughs> A real man behaves. <laughs> Pounds his mom. I don't know why I'm so messed up. What happened to me? 
Shut your mouth, Newis. Six years later, Newis climbs a clock tower at his university. He's wearing a mesh t-shirt with his nipples poking out. He's like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but you're all going to pay for it. (laughs) Take that, Trevor. (laughs) Aims for the tan boys. (laughs) Take that, big-titted old lady. (laughs) Why are you such a whore? <laughs> what is this podcast? I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> I don't know how we got here. <laughs> That's what I said when I woke up in that truck stop. <laughs> you said we, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a. A, a trucker who was shirtless but buttoned up his pants. I'm like, what happened? How, I don't know how we got here. <laughs> He's like, well, it was a wild ride, sweetheart, but uh, it's over now. Go shower. Okay, fine. Newest is like in uh middle of Ohio. <laughs> Poor Newest. 2008. <laughs> He gets, like, indoctrinated into, like, an Islamic terrorist group. (laughs) He's going to be a suicide suicide bomber. All because that tan guy was fucking fucking his mom. He's in the front seat of a 7047. He's like, take this! 7047? Yes, a 7047. He's in the front seat of a 747. He's like, take this, Trevor! You never believed in me! (laughs) And just smashes into the South Tower. (laughs) (laughs) Trevor died of a heart attack in, like, 86. (laughs) He can't let it go. A year later. He doesn't know where he's going in life. <laughs> no, he he's doesn't. just mad at everything. If Newest would have just been treated right from the beginning, he'd probably be a functional member of society. Nope. But but instead, he's wearing a sundress and an old lady straw hat and smashing the plane into the Twin Towers. <laughs> After he killed some people in a clock tower, I don't know. He's had a hard <laughs> life. He's had a very difficult life. Oh. Newest is just a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> and I don't think that's the last we'll hear from old Newest. I feel the birth of a new character. Oh, it fucking better be. These are my streets. You better not bring anyone new around here. <laughs> I run them. Hambone. No. There's These room. aren't your streets. You're not even real. You're a fucking stupid <laughs> hand. You don't even have a fucking mouth. Use everybody else's mouth. He's just as real as everyone else who participates in this podcast. No, that's a good point. I guess we all are characters. No, I'm fucking real. Give me some dick. Hairbone! <laughs> Can you remember the tallest man you've ever seen? Shut up, Jesus. Well, trying- yeah. Come on. God damn it. Oh, my God. Right, Hambone, I'm sitting on my hands. I'm okay. sitting on my hands as okay. we record. We need to power through this episode. These side characters are, they're too much. They're too much. I don't know if we talked about history in the last 20 fucking minutes. Good point. Where are we at? I have no fucking clue. Eventually, Lewis, because you said newest, and that's where this whole thing went off the fucking rails. Well, again, they were upset the snow still covered the Bitterroot Mountains. 
you know, and it's fucking summer at this point. Well, eventually Lewis heard a small Nez Perce boy crossing the range, and he said, fuck it, if they can do it, we can. The natives warned him that there was still too much snow and he should wait. Lewis didn't listen. He made it about halfway up before having to turn back and ask the Nez Perce for guides and help crossing. Hey, man, don't fucking go. I'm gonna go. Comes crawling back. Can you you guys help me go? (laughs) (sighs) Listen, I know you've lived in these mountains for a hundred years, but you don't know fuck about shit. (laughs) Okay? I'm white, and that makes me superior. I can obviously do things you can't. And like ten minutes later, he comes crawling back, like just his clothes are in tatters. Help me, please. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry about the racist things I said. You guys are <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Once across the divide, the party split up into smaller groups so that Lewis could explore the Marius River and see how far north it ran. This area was controlled by the Blackfeet, who were the most powerful and warlike tribe in the northern plains. Eventually, Lewis would meet them, and it would not go great. There were eight Blackfeet at this first meeting. It was late in the day, and so the two groups decided to camp together. Lewis explained that he planned on trading with the Nez Perce, the Mandans, and the Hidatsas. The Blackfeet didn't like this idea at all, because they had the most guns and dominated those tribes. They weren't really into the idea of equal footing. Yeah, this is a, a pretty big mistake. Like, imagine it's World War Two. And you're trying to sell arms to the Brits. Like, oh, I want to be an ally with you. Let's be friends. Also, I've been selling tanks to the Germans. You're like, what the... How are we friends now? We're not friends. What the fuck are you doing? And that's exactly (laughs) what Lewis was pulling off here. He's like, what if... And listen, I'm American. And I believe in the Second Amendment. What if we gave everyone guns? Wouldn't that make everything better? Somehow, if every... Individual person had a gun? <laughs> Blackfeet are like, F- no, fuck no. <laughs> <Yeah>. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah. well, the next morning at dawn, the Blackfeet were caught trying to steal Lewis's guns. A struggle ensued. One of the men stabbed a Blackfoot warrior to death. Lewis shot another in the stomach and killed him. He then burned all of their bows and shields and placed a medal of peace around the neck of one of the corpses. You know, it's the thing he was trading with the uh, yeah. different Native Americans along the way. I like this because, like, the first story, like, when he's dealing with the Sioux, first part of the story, when he's dealing with the Sioux, they ask for tobacco, and he's like, here, take all this fucking tobacco, and he's just throwing it off the boat at him, like, fuck mm-hmm. you. And then, oh, you guys don't want peace? Well, I'll kill the shit out of you and put a metal piece on the corpses. Fuck you. Well, it was a little different. He was facing, like, an entire tribe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the first instance, where it's like, all right. Yeah. Like, they would have got fucked up if they you know, tried to fight them. But this one, it was just a little small ranging party. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll be cool. But you wake up to him stealing shit. It's like, all right. Time for peace. Condoms coming off. <laughs> I'm going in raw, fellas. (laughs) Well, he then hightailed it the fuck out of there because he had essentially declared war against the Blackfeet. 
On August 11th, as Lewis and Private Cruzat were hunting elk, a shot rang out and Lewis was struck by a bullet right in his butt cheeks. He dropped and screamed out, Damn you! You have shot me! When he received no reply, he assumed that the Blackfeet had caught up to him. In reality, his buddy Cruzat was damn near blind and had shot something brownish that he thought was an elk. He would never admit that, though. That's hilarious. Like, damn you, you shot me, and there's, like, complete fucking silence. And he's like, if I don't say anything, he doesn't know it's me. I'm not even here. Uh." Just quietly reloads. Nope, what me? Look, I've got got all my rounds. (laughs) And since it was Private Cruzat, he's like, are you okay, Captain? Oh my god, someone has shot you in the buttocks. Who could have done a thing? Well, I know what will raise your spirits. Just a little ditty that I've written. <laughs> and then Lewis is just cussing the fuck out of him. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. This doesn't work? Well, uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, bullet was uh, venomous. Uh, let me suck the venom out. <laughs> he just gets down there on that ass cheek and starts <laughs> just sucking on it. Give him a big old ass hickey. Cruzat. Are you literally kissing my ass because you shot me? No, I'm sucking it, sir. (laughs) So difference. Okay. Must have been one of those treacherous Native Americans, as we said in 1805. (laughs) (laughs) On August 12th, Lewis reconnected with Clark, who had been traveling down the Yellowstone River. Lewis would spend the majority of the remaining journey laying on his stomach, unable to walk. Because of his newfound butthole. <laughs> Thanks to Private Cruzat. First man west of the Mississippi to be torn a new asshole. Hmm. First of many. <clears throat> you ever visited a truck stop? Ah. Uh, well, I've been everywhere, man. Uh, that's all I can say about that. The expedition made its way back to Mandan territory, and it was here that they said goodbye to Toussaint Chabonneau and Sacagawea. For her services, Chabonneau received $500. Sacagawea received no payment, despite the fact that her mere presence was one of the very few reasons that Lewis and Clark had survived their journey. In November of 1806, the expedition arrived in St. Louis. They were finally back home. As they made their way back to Washington, they were received at galas and balls and were celebrated as heroes. The country had heard nothing about them since early 1805 and assumed they had died. The mere fact that they had crossed the continent and returned made them gods in the eyes of Americans. And this was a little hard for me to understand at first, but then I started thinking about it. And it's like, most people during this time, you know, at... As modern Americans, we'll travel. We'll go see shit. Most people this time, they never left their hometown, or at least their home state. They never saw shit. So these guys traveling like 4,000 miles back and forth across the continent, that was a big deal for them. Oh, is it ridiculous? Yeah. And the fact that there was, I mean, just in the book, like, they were almost thought for dead. Yeah. Yeah. Because this was not supposed to take as long as it did. And so it's almost one of those things. It's like, man, well, fuck. I need to start thinking like, oh, I guess they're not going to make it back. And Jefferson actually sent out a couple guys to look for them at this point. 
He's just like, yeah. they're fucking dead. You know, it, it does, the book, like you said, it, it points out that most people have given up on them. Jefferson still had hope, but he was still, it was like a dwindling hope. It's like, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if they're fucking coming back. Because they hadn't heard from him in two years. So Took a lot longer than it was supposed to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's because of the lack of the Northwest Passage. Yeah. That they were expecting to find. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they definitely like thought. Maybe it, we've glossed over that a little bit. Like yeah, they, they thought they were it would supposed be to find a waterway all the way to the Pacific, and there would just be this great, easy trade route from the West Coast to the East Coast. And that didn't happen. No, yeah, they they had no idea what they were looking for once they got out there. And then it's like, holy fuck. Yeah. This is really hard. Like, get got over one mountain range, and it's like, Oh, fuck. There's another one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Like, that feeling had to be just terrible. Like, you crest the mountain. You're like, okay. First mountain I crossed. We did I'm it! I'm at the top. You just see, like, a thousand more we mountains. We fucking did it! Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Uh, I pooped myself. Idaho is terrible. Why does this exist? <laughs> I pooped myself. Where's the man with the coffee table? <laughs> oh, they they killed him back for being a pervert. Yes, a, a giant gorilla killed him with a power glove. <laughs> now I'm I'm just here with poopy pants looking at mountains. Oh no! I just remember there being three nooses. There was one for that man with the glass coffee table. One for a gorilla with power glove. The real small one for the coffee table, his his hand. They're just holding the coffee table with no, the lipstick it, on it. The lipstick hand. They hung him back at camp. You hear the snare drum. You have any last words? I don't regret a damn thing. Fuck all you bitches. I'll see you in hell. <laughs> Amy will live again. Amy, Amy will be a part of another gorilla. Amy <laughs> needs sexual need, <laughs> and that's when the uh, that's when they hang them. Gorillas don't go to heaven. They For some were- reason, coffee table guy never said anything. He was just furiously <laughs> masturbating. He had like he had broken one hand free. Yeah. From uh, being tied behind his back, because he had the other hand was in a noose. He broke the other hand free, but instead of trying to free himself, he just started masturbating. Because in his head, it he was, was his just, kink. Yeah, in his head, he was just thinking, "Oh God, finally! All right, some asphyxiation." Yeah. It was his kink. So, <laughs> if only I could turn just sideways and get the gorilla to shit on this table. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Also, they hung the glass coffee table. <laughs> hanged. Hanged. Sorry. I know. So you're, yeah. Jesus Christ. Get your history right. Oh, God. Read a book, Greg. I know, right? <laughs> the dumbest fucking podcast. You can't say that after every joke. I can, because it's true. <laughs> well, Thomas Jefferson's reaction is mostly lost to history. He had wanted Lewis to find a continuous water passage to the coast. It didn't exist. He had wanted to unite all of the native tribes under the American flag to establish trade. The tribes were extremely divided and fighting more than ever. 
Lewis's great accomplishment was the discovery of documentation of over 300 new plant and animal species. It's possible that this was enough to please Jefferson, who lived his whole life thirsting for new knowledge. But he was still very confused. He's like, why did you send me all this semen? And this one's labeled semen semen. What does that even mean? Like, you misspelled the first semen. No, 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 no. That's my dog. Seaman. And his semen. I thought you wanted specimens. What What the fuck was I even doing out there, Thomas? <laughs> well, we did a uh, centrifugal analysis of it. We found a lot of saliva in there. <laughs> what was in my mouth? I had to uh, restore it. What I do you mean you can do that? It's only 1806. <laughs> that's the that's the Chris attack on things. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's a guy in the background all confused, grinding the gears and flooding the carburetor on his keelboat. He's like, what the <laughs> fuck are those guys talking about? Dog semen? I'm getting out of here. <laughs> oh, I don't know how to drive this thing. The expedition members and captains were paid handsomely and then went their separate ways. Sacagawea would later give birth to a daughter, but would die of an unknown disease in the year 1812. And it's just like Forrest Gump, Virginia dies of an unknown disease, and you have to like, was it? Was it? You know, what? it wasn't unknown. <laughs> it's, it's known to us, but to them it's like... Read the book. <laughs> What's the book say? I don't actually know that. I didn't read the book either, but that's what it is, you <laughs> stupid fuck. Well, I've heard theories that it's hepatitis, but okay. AIDS makes more sense. And then Haley Joe Osment has AIDS, too. He's an AIDS baby. Walker told me I have AIDS. <laughs> it all makes sense. It's all coming together. Just like Forrest and Jenny, when he knocked her up with her AIDS baby. It's not his. <laughs> But they both tilt their head while they're watching Sesame Street. Let's be let's be real. It's not his. <laughs> William Clark Slave York would return to a life of servitude. When he requested his freedom as payment for his participation in the journey, Clark had him beaten. He actually, uh, as you know, wrote that letter calling him or saying he was getting uppity. Yeah, it's so uncomfortable. Like the and it's at the end of like we said it's at the end of the story said in the Ken Burns documentary is Stephen Ambrose the author of Main Source talking about it he's already he spent the last ten minutes talking about how these guys are heroes and how awesome they were and it was like oh and then York wanted his freedom and he wrote a letter to his son saying this N word is getting uppity time to beat him like I'm not so sure he's a hero anymore I mean it's one of those things we often talk about and it's it's such a difficult fucking conversation because you can't possibly understand that point of view from that time frame. Right. Much like we talk about Jefferson, Washington, all that, it's... Dude, I... I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to apply moral standards Like, what do we do yeah. today that they're gonna look back several hundred years from now and be like, oh, those fucking savages... They ate meat? Right. Oh, my God. I mean, it, there's... It, it might be like that to where that's something that's normalized today. But obviously, this is different. Yeah. These are human fucking beings. I can't personally imagine putting myself in a situation to where I'm going to subjugate human beings to do shit like this. Right. And Well, I mean, to be fair, we don't like to think about it as Americans. I don't know about 
uh, your personal beliefs and your own habits and whatnot. But, you know, a lot of our stuff's made by people who are basically slave labor in China, putting shit together for pennies on the dollar. Um, there are active genocides happening right now in the world that we don't give a shit about because it doesn't really affect our day-to-day. Um, not to bring anybody down, I don't want anybody to be like, ah, oh, I'm a piece of shit or whatever, but, you know, there might be a time, 100 years from now, it's like, why weren't they outraged that something was happening thousands of miles away that they really had no control over, but why weren't they outraged? Why, why were they like, okay, I get, yeah. a, I get a cheap cell phone because someone else That's a good point. puts together for, you know, cheap, whatever. But I, I feel like that is moving the goalpost from this issue. I, yeah, you're right. It's York, not York directly. directly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worked with them. He had an equal vote in what they did once they reached the Pacific as far as how they were going to bunker down for the winter. Yeah. And then comes back and he's a slave for five more years, then gets beat for it. Yeah. No, you're right. For expressing like, hey, should, um, should I maybe have some freedom here? Oh, this uppity motherfucker. Beat. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. It is different. And at his hands. He, he didn't even like, hey, go go beat him. No, he did it himself. No, yeah, it is different. You're right. Well, finally, in 1811, Clark relented and granted York his freedom. Five years after they returned home, York went into business for himself and died a couple decades later in 1832. William Clark adopted Sacagawea's two children, and raised them as his own. He became governor of the Missouri Territory, and would eventually serve as an Indian Affairs agent. He spent most of his life advocating for peaceful relations with the native population, but he did take part in President Andrew Jackson's Indian removal policy. He died in 1838 at the age of 68. Meriwether Lewis fell apart following the expedition. He was appointed governor of the Louisiana Territory, but struggled to perform his duties. He had planned on completing a three-volume series on his expedition and the people and animals he had found, but never wrote a single word. He drank heavily and became addicted to opium. In October of 1809, he set out on a trip. Uh, That's hard to do when you're drinking. Yes, I was drunk, yeah. (laughs) Set out on a trip, or... You know he sat I mean? on a trap that he didn't even realize. <laughs> he was like, hey, Bubba. You're a pretty lady. What is poking me right now? <laughs> In October of 1809, he set out on a trip to Washington, D.C. Along the way, he became depressed and began to rant incoherently. That's hilarious, right? <laughs> Let's say maybe do that one again because you laughed along the way. Uh, oh well. In the morning of October 11th, Lewis was overheard saying, quote, "Clock is coming." He then shot himself in the chest and the head simultaneously. Yeah, and just to talk about that for a second, he was wealthy. He had a lot of land. They gave him like 1,600 acres for completing the expedition. He was a hero to the Americans, but. I think deep down, he realized he's kind of a failure. Like He didn't accomplish what he thought he would accomplish. And he had depressive states. And man, th- like those two but things. But that wasn't his fault at all. Yeah, but you know. Those... It was it was something that was... Natural. Un- unaccomplishable. Nature. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, like nobody could have done it. Yeah. But I think in his head, and you know, I've been there. I understand this. It, you feel like an imposter. You feel like yeah, everybody's saying I'm great, but they probably don't think I'm that great because X, Y, and Z. These things I did aren't that great. And that he weighs them differently from everybody else. And I felt like that, that did weigh on him a lot. And he got drunk all the time, got into opium, and then it was just a downhill slide to, you know, shoving the barrel of the shotgun in his mouth while listening to Nirvana and saying, this is all Courtney Love's fault. Well, it was uh, apparently two pistols, but do it, whatever. Oh, no. You could be a dual-barrel shotgun. Mm-hmm. And one of... <laughs> one barrel's curved. And <laughs> one, one barrel goes right to the heart, and the other goes right up into the brain. I mean, <laughs> you a, don't know. Yeah, that's right. It's the early 1800s. They're experimenting with guns. Like, what if we make this one really curvy? Let's see what happens when we pull the trigger. Makes sense. Well, guys, in the end, the story of the Lewis and Clark expedition is a triumph of the human spirit. Their journey was incredibly difficult, and yet both Lewis and Clark were able to lead it and keep their men driven and focused on the end goal. In the decades that followed, millions of Americans would walk in their footsteps and forge a new frontier. But if we were forced to find the true meaning of this story, it's this. If you go in search of meaning and happiness, and wind up in the Pacific Northwest, you will only wind up blowing your own brains out. End of story. Woo! We did it. Ah, oh, I can't believe we did it, man. That wraps that up. What really happened here? Really? Wolf Dick, are you fucking kidding me? We just spent like three hours telling people what happened with it's a big old long thing. Yeah, were you not paying attention like the whole fucking time? Jesus Christ. <sighs> Alright, you know what? Whatever. Greg, it's time for Fast Facts. Can a fertilized octopus egg ingested into the human system actually grow inside the body? Oh. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Oh. It's like he hasn't been paying attention the whole time. He's just been thinking about things. <laughs> just random things he thinks about while staring up the ceiling tiles. Jesus. What does that have to do with anything? I don't know. He's he's obviously <sighs> high on painkillers. Let's just let's just go to fast facts, Greg. Okay. Let let's plow ahead. <laughs> fast fact number one. Despite suffering disease, starvation, gunshot wounds, and a complete lack of actual medical treatments, the Lewis and Clark expedition only lost one man, Sergeant Charles Floyd who, as we told you in part one, died of a ruptured appendix and would have died no matter where he was in 1804. Fast Facts Number 2 Jefferson and Lewis had been a little misguided when they planned the trip. They thought they would discover herds of woolly mammoths and believed that the native tribes they encountered were descended from the Welsh because both had a guttural native language. Fast fact number three. Late in the journey, the Spanish got wind that the Americans were attempting westward expansion. This scared the Spanish, who occupied the American Southwest, into believing that Jefferson was after their gold. They sent men to arrest Lewis and Clark, but were unable to locate the expedition in time. Fast fact 
Number 4. One of the expedition members, John Coulter, left the group once they made it back to St. Louis. He then traveled back west, was attacked and harassed by the Blackfeet, and traveled for over 200 miles while butt-naked. Eventually, he discovered a place where steam arose from the ground and the mud boiled. The American people refused to believe him and jokingly called it Coulter's Hell. It would later become known as Yellowstone, the world's first national park. All right. We are done with this episode. We've done with this tale of Lewis and Clark. Greg, do you have any final Lewis and Clark thoughts? Anything you want to add to this story? Do you think it was a big deal what they did? I do, I do have a final thought. Okay. Separate from that. I thought it was funny once they eventually reached the Pacific and there was just this massive bay yeah. of salmon just frolicking about just uh, uh, just jumping up at them and they're like uh, I kind of want some red meat. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and so they uh you know they bartered the local Indian tribe for their dogs. Oh yeah. To have dog meat. They love dog meat. Because they'd rather just have some fucking puppy dog meat <laughs> than eat fish. Meanwhile, <sighs> poor poor little seaman is just hanging out there. He's like, what the fuck is happening? Lucy's just patting on my head. Oh, not you, buddy. Don't worry. <laughs> Unless we get desperate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll put my mouth on it again. But uh, you're not that lucky of a puppy. That's for Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> What about you? Um, so it's hard. I looked at the story and it's kind of the same deal for me as Columbus was like, eh, what's the big deal? Because as soon as they get back, like everybody's going west. Like on the way back, they're passing people who are going west. Like, oh yeah, that was a cool idea. We're going to do it too. Like, and my big deal with Columbus was, you know, people in his time could do the exact same thing. Um, but with these guys, it kind of feels like their, their mission was always altruistic. You know, they just wanted to explore. They didn't want to take anybody over. Um, when they met native tribes, their whole goal was to bring peace between the tribes, bring them all under one umbrella, the American government and all that. Um, I feel like they always had good intentions, and their their journey was just a big adventure, you know? And like I said earlier, most Americans would never leave their hometown, so this was a big deal. You know, they went way out there, saw the new world, found new plants, new animals, so it, I guess you know this is kind of is a cool story. It's a very cool story. Um, I don't know what it adds to modern history, but I don't really care because just reading and learning about it, you're like, man, that was. It that, is a fun story. It's pretty epic, yeah. Which uh, my my thing was like they they very very much so they were altruistic on the way there. But oh, the way back there, pissy. The way. <laughs> All right, they're so irritable because number one, they already did it. Mm-hmm. They, they, in their minds, maybe conquered that journey. Like, they fucking did it, man. Then on the way back, no more whiskey. Yeah. It was gone. Yeah. No more tobacco. Gone. He just had Cruzette and his fucking fiddle. That reminds me, basically, of the time that I made the walk of shame mm-hmm. after leaving a <laughs> sorority house. <laughs> uh-huh. What? 
Nothing. Go ahead. Continue. I'm sorry. Because I had slept with one of their boyfriends <laughs> in the basement. <laughs> okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I had to make that walk of shame. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. I understand. That's good. <laughs> well, I was just going to relate it maybe to our listeners who haven't had that experience that you had was, you know, you go on a road trip and then on the way back, everybody's asking, can we stop at that place? It's like, fuck no, I just won't get home. You're speeding, driving. Some guy's asking for change. You're like, yeah, motherfucker, you were here on the way there. I know you're doing fine. And you just keep fucking driving. That's how the return trip back to me felt, but I've never done the walk of shame from a sorority house, irregardless of what happened the night before. I'm not allowed in those places for legal reasons, but, uh, hmm. yeah, we're not going to go into that. Greg, did you know that human people can find us at 100proofhistory.com or at 100proofhistory on social media? Did you know that? Were you aware of that fact? I was aware of that fact, yes, sir. Okay, well. But did you know we have over 50 combined episodes on our Patreon that the public cannot access? I did know that. Did you know that it only costs people $3 a month to access those episodes and new bonus episodes and get our episodes two days early? I did know that. (laughs) Guess we know everything. We're omniscient. I don't know how to say the word omniscient, but... uh, It's just omniscient? Yes, we're that. I knew how to say... (laughs) One of us would know how to say it. I knew that. Together we are one good man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Probably still combined could not satisfy a woman, but... We are one good man. <laughs> it's like the Eiffel Tower if it only looked like a foot each way and it just collapsed in on itself. <laughs> anyway, all we're trying to say is subscribe to our Patreon, people. You get bonus content, just like the exciting conclusion you're hearing right now and all the other stuff that you love and you can't get enough of. What our wives wouldn't give for an exciting conclusion. <laughs> We give it to you, not them. Yes, Greg, you're right. We don't give our wives exciting conclusions, but let me give the listener an exciting... Oh my god, I finished! Oh shit! Bye! Bye, guys. Okay, at some point I'll need to activate just a couple of phrases. Like, you'll remind me, be like, you know, maybe... The guy should be able to communicate. Just maybe limit what he yeah. is able to say. I'm like, okay, I'll give him a couple phrases. <laughs> for, for story continuity's sake. Right, right. These people are, you know, we don't want them to leave the show because it's like, all right, this is unbelievable. Yeah, I don't point. believe a story at all. <laughs> it's nonsense. <laughs> Kill my mojo. Just killed my fucking mojo. Hate this show. I'm going to kill myself. Gonna wait till we get in that new house. Right as we get the keys, gonna walk right in and just blow myself out in the foyer. <laughs> oh, foyer, you. Oh, oh, I've got a foyer. <laughs> <laughs>
Foyer, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> Blood all over the credenza. <laughs> we do need a big interjection in the second half. We can't just save it all for the first half. I'm sure it'll happen. It'll happen. Do you think so? Yeah. Even though I'm in a bad mood, we're still going to be able to do it? Even though you're in a bad mood and drunk? Why waste your time? Shouldn't have been late, bitch. You were late. I was 15 minutes late. Then you, you know, whatever. I hate you. Divorce. Divorce! Continue. I was 15 minutes late. I was 15 minutes late. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then? I'm sorry. What were you going to say? That ruined the whole podcast. That's what I was going to say. I'm sorry that ruined everything in your goddamn life. That was 15 minutes late. 45 minutes. We couldn't talk to each other. An ocean between us. <laughs> my heart reaching out to your heart. <laughs> but it's my fault. Well, the whole time that I was trying to fix that, I was looking out the window at the full moon. Like, what if Greg's looking at the same moon and touching his dick at the same time? No, I was cussing. Oh, I was masturbating so this much. Motherfucker, then I pissed in the toilet. <laughs> Never once looked at the stupid moon. <laughs> Can you imagine? Fievel's like, somewhere out there. And he's staring at the moon and it jumps. She's also taking a shit. <laughs> yeah, jump cuts oh. to his like parents just taking a, a shit and the mom's brushing her teeth while dad's in there looking at the paper and taking a shit on the toilet. Dad's uh, on a sticky trap. <laughs> <laughs> he's dying. <laughs> And she's like, I'm a rat. I've had 1,200 other babies. I don't give a shit about that one. Who cares? He's already uh, gnawed off his own arm. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to rat his way out of it. No, they're not that anthropomorphic after all. <laughs> but five holes in his red shirt. Just hopeful. <laughs> Please. Uh, and he goes west. Dies of thirst in the desert. <laughs> Cuts to dad fucking he's rat. screaming in pain on the mouth. I just want to eat again. This is cruel. <laughs> Mom ate some rat poison. <laughs> he's just dead next to him, and he can't do shit because he's in a glue trap. <laughs> it's just it's warfarin, so it just it dehydrated the fuck out of it. All she wanted to do was be with him, but all she really wants is to go outside and get water. She can't. She's dead. <laughs> Why well, either way, they hadn't actually stopped the ocean. No, you really, already, you already oh, did that part. You. <laughs> I knew that. I was just testing you. Out there in your your baseball t-shirt and no pants. The neighbor's like, this guy really loves leaf blowing. Look at him. He could he a thong and a white beater. <laughs> and Crocs. <laughs> Crocs. They're so comfortable, you know? Black socks up to your kneecaps. <laughs> you got the really big old yellow Sony headphones on, and it's just playing fucking I'm gonna get you baby on a loop while you're leaf blowing. <laughs> For some reason, you take off the Crocs and put on roller skates and just disco dance while you're leaf blowing. <laughs> Everybody's like, no, he's a pretty normal dude. Yeah. Till one day, dildo falls out of my pocket. <laughs> and they're like, oh, whoa. 
Is he gay? <laughs> do, honey, do you, do you think he's gay or no? No, no, no probably, nah, not. probably not. Probably not. Probably. He's got a Trump sign in his front yard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're checking the HOA rules. They're like, well, it's a flesh-colored dildo. That's allowed. Um, if it had been off-color, you know, you have to get approval beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> so, podcasting, huh? <laughs> Come on a bar, get kicked out, <laughs> argue, and then get arrested. <laughs> Go to jail, blow some dudes. It was all worth it. <laughs> Come at your defense trial. <laughs> at least I know when I sound drunk, you fucking dumb bitch. You just fucking <laughs> the way through it, and you're like, "What? Why did I? I was I was pretty good. I felt pretty good. Did I do that?" <laughs> Just my voice keeps getting higher and higher. I don't know, I feel uh, pretty good. I thought uh, I'd be good. There it is. Urkel. <laughs> Did I do that? <laughs> Did somebody say cheese? <laughs> They're sitting at the dinner table and Big Forrest Gump breaks out his copy of Curious George and starts reading it and laughing his ass off like an idiot. And little Tyrone Haley Joan Osmond's like, Jesus Christ, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I don't enjoy this. <laughs> this guy's a fucking moron. Yesterday he spent four hours farting in a bathtub. There wasn't even water in it. He was just farting. He <laughs> looks across the table at Forrest Gump. He slowly puts down his fork, and Forrest is like, "Is there some- boiled shrimp?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like, "Is there something wrong, Forrest Junior?" And he's like, "Walker told me I have AIDS." <laughs> <laughs> well, tomorrow we'll have souffléed shrimp. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> It's like talking to a fucking tree. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Dad, can we use some of that apple stock to maybe give me some treatment? <laughs> I don't believe we can. <laughs> I may not be a smart man. But, but I, I know what profits are. <laughs> <laughs> She died of an unknown disease in the year 1812. There we go. Where's that at? I don't know. Oh, I'm way down there? Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Turn your fucking phone off, Chris. You act like I don't fucking hear that? You didn't hear shit, bitch. (laughs) 